you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everybody in between. We are indeed. Um, so, uh, Ben, I thought we'd start off with. I just found this quite interesting story uh, in one of the newspapers today or online. Um, it's in the Daily Star, which I guess for our um, listeners outside the UK is a. Uh, it's frivolous, a bad word. Frivolously kind of fun tabloid rather than anything serious going on, would you say? Is that a good description of the Daily Star? Yeah, I would say that it is, it's a fine balance between, I don't think it's fake news, but it does like to cover, you know, people who find a frog in their salad in Sainsbury's. That's probably what it is. But but yeah. I think, you know, a re- reliable news source to an extent. Yes, yeah. I mean, they're not making, they're not making it up. They are reporting what they see. But um, yeah, so I saw this headline. It just grabbed my attention. The headline is, it's an exclusive to the Daily Star, which is why I'm mentioning them. Uh, it says, My terrifying haunted doll weeps tears of acid and tries to set itself on fire. We've all been there. We've all been there. So this is the story. I'll just read it because it's, Annie is a real-life Chucky doll with its ghost hunter owner claiming he has to keep it under 24-hour surveillance because of how much of a threat it poses. Sounds quite similar to another doll we've heard of. Uh, The terrifying toy was bought by a ghost hunter going by the name of Matt Paranormal, who was fascinated by its background. Maybe we should call ourselves Ben and Peter Paranormal. Actually, Peter Paranormal is better than Matt Paranormal, isn't it? Anyway, Matt 33. It yeah. yeah, it is, right? He said he, uh, he found it in a house fire in which the owners had died. Matt 33 said, after reading about her history with the house fire, I knew I wanted to buy her. Since buying Annie two years ago, Matt has experienced a host of strange incidents, including the doll trying to set itself on fire. He claims its previous owners appeared next to her in images and he witnessed the doll crying acid tears. He said she cost me £100 after I had her imported to the UK. I had paranormal equipment installed in her, which, okay, uh, and I thought her previous (laughs) owner's spirit would be attracted to her. It wasn't until last year that Annie actually started to cry. I believe that when she cries, it's an attachment attachments way of showing emotions Annie's tears are acidic which is demonic he says and her previous owners haven't accepted that they are dead it means they are classed as demons we're not big fans of that word are we on this podcast to be honest um uh, he keeps her now in a glass box and it's under 24 hour surveillance because she keeps trying to set herself on fire now uh, we'll put we'll put an image of Annie the doll on our uh, on our Facebook page or on our album that goes with the episode at TQM podcast. Um, this thing it does look pretty scary. It's it's got exorcist kind of yellow eyes. It's got like blood stained clothes and half of its face is blood stained and it's yeah yeah. It's you know what it is, Ben. When I'm looking at it. It's too good to be true, in a way. Well, I, I suppose my first question is, how does he know that the tears are acidic? I mean, presumably you'd need to do a test on that. That just seems like hyperbolic, yeah. really. Yeah. 
Or hyper bollocks. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, 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 uh, maybe he just tasted one and went, "Oh, that's a bit acidic." But I, I mean, there's acidic and there's acidic. There's like, is it? I don't know. Is it vinegar strength or is it burn a hole in your hand strength? Yeah, I don't I, know. I, Doesn't go into that much detail, but. Um, yeah, we'll put some pictures up of this thing. If it's real, it's absolutely terrifying. But it it, do, it does seem a little bit too close to the Annabelle, the doll story for me. Yeah, yeah. I sort of feel like he might be angling for a film deal. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, if he gets one, then I'll believe in it totally and we'll help him out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah anyway. nobody has ever got a film deal from something that wasn't real. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, it just caught my attention and I thought I'd share it because we did do an episode on um, uh, inanimate objects uh, doing strange and spooky things and we included Annabelle the Doll. So um, who, that actually, the original Annabelle the Doll was not like the one in the movie. That always struck me. It's uh, more like a ragdoll. But yeah, there you go. That's That's our story of the week. I like it. So the the main theme of this week is, well, before I say it, I'm sure you feel this. You know, we've spoken about this in the past. We know that where we live is quite rural. And when you're driving back in the car down those really winding roads and they're completely in the dark... Sometimes, just sometimes, you kind of have a little bit of apprehension about looking in the rearview mirror, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just, you don't want to see something that takes you by surprise. And this week, I looked into ghost hitchhikers because I find that one of the most terrifying things that one can experience while out on the roads yeah we've we, we've we've spoken to ruth roper wild and she has got lots of tales about haunted roads and also like juxtaposed with that i probably wouldn't pick up a hitchhiker not necessarily because i'm scared of the paranormal but i'm scared of being knifed to death and buried and somebody taking my car yep but there are taxi drivers who do this for a living and there are also other people who don't worry about picking up hitchhikers. And so there are a lot of reports about ghost hitchhikers. And so I thought I would um, have a look into it and look into specifically ones that are immediate to us in the vicinity and then have a look at ones which are wider in the world. Cool. So Excellent. I thought, yeah, it sounds fun, right? Okay. Definitely. So Bedfordshire, that's not a million miles away from us. That is just down the road. And the very first case I stumbled upon when I was looking around, and this is kind of like a book and a Google search, this takes place in Bedfordshire about 40 years ago. And 40 years, that sounds like a very long time ago. But actually, it's in the 80s. Yep. And it's 
this particular case involves uh, what is described as a young tradesman, so a carpenter, an electrician, something like that. Yep. And he des- he decides that he's going to play Good Samaritan and pick up a stranded traveller. And that is where things go drastically wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel that would be the case. So I can... I Now I've remembered the story, I can tell you the tradesman, he's actually a, a, a carpet fitter. So there right. we go. And it was... He was 26, and it was on the evening of the 12th of October, 1979. And his name is Roy Fulton. And he is returning home from a pub darts match in Leighton Buzzard. Leighton Buzzard, I realise, sounds like a ridiculous name, probably for our American friends. But trust me, Leighton Buzzard... It does exist, but it's funny. It's like you have we in 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 Britain have a view of Leighton Buzzard, but I, I think if you probably did say it in a good American accent, which I'm not going to, it could sound like a cowboy town. Oh yes, you say that. Yes, I hadn't thought of that. Yes, Le- no, I'm not even going to try. I was like, like, try. like Dead Man's Creek. You know what I mean? Leighton oh, Buzzard. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Never thought that. Before. Well. No, I haven't. But, like, I suppose to our Australian friends, it's probably not such a ridiculous name. But Leighton Buzzard, I can tell you, A, it exists, and B, I could drive to there from where I am in about half an hour. And uh, so he's coming back from his pub darts match, and he stops to give a lift to a young man standing on an isolated stretch of a road called Station Road, on the outskirts, uh, sorry, the outskirts of Stanbridge. So that is kind of that is very very close to Leighton Buzzards. And the story goes on to explain that Fulton, he's not a a ghost person. He doesn't have any interest in the paranormal whatsoever. But he is an ardent Liverpool supporter. So he he's he's a big football fan. Yep. It describes in the story that his recounting is that he's thinking about the following day's match. That's that's where his head is. Yep. In the glare of the minivan's headlights, so again, there's a lot of information here. A minivan, so we probably now all know what a mini car looks like, but if you're in the States, you don't know what a 1979 mini looks like, probably. It is about a third of the size of what you would now consider to be a Mini. (laughs) It's a really, really, really small car. And uh, a Mini van, you've got two seats at the front, you've got some commercial space at the back, and you could probably fit one in the boot or on the, uh, the back of a Toyota Hilux. They're very, very small. You, you could probably get, like, a decent-sized beer fridge in it, couldn't you? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and and you could, you, you know, you, you'd be able to put some bits of furniture from a house in there, but I think you'd probably struggle to get a sofa in there. Yeah. 
but but anyway, he's or driving. You the, sorry, or you probably could get a fair, a, a nice bit of carpet in the back. In his case, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you you'd be good with carpet. You'd be good with carpet. But in the lights of this van, he sees a youth standing on the. It's described as the near side verge, thumbing a lift. So again, yeah. I feel like I need to explain thumbing a lift. It means usually with your dominant hand, so with me, right hand, closed fist, <laughs> thumb up, right? That's how you hitchhike. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be your dominant hand, but I love the detail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just feel like I need to explain these things. Yeah, no, fair enough. Deciding that this character was either going to Tottenham or Dunstable, real places, Fulton came to a halt in front of the hitchhiker who walked along the road towards the van. He was casually dressed in dark trousers and jumper and wore a white collared shirt. This is just setting the scene. None of these things you need to remember. Did he say to him, though, Ben, because he was a Liverpool football fan, did he say to him, Jump in, because I never drive alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The specificity of (laughs) that comment is, like, we'll leave that there for the people who appreciate it. But no, no, he didn't. No, okay. (laughs) The, the, The person who he's picking up opens the passenger door and gets in. When... Fulton asks him where he wants to go. His only response was to point ahead further down the misty road. So this is an extra detail, it's misty. So he starts to drive off. The journey continues in silence for some minutes until Fulton decided to offer the youth a cigarette different times. It was the point where that had become a completely ordinary and familiar situation suddenly crossed over a threshold into the strange and frightening world of the unknown. This is a direct quote from the witness testimony. Okay. I leant forward and picked up the pack of cigarettes, turned round to offer offer the lad one, and that man or boy was not sitting there. So stunned, Fulton pulled the mini to a halt and turned on the interior light looking into the back thinking, you know, this guy somehow climbed into the back of the van. Which would be pretty hard to do in a mini, because I, I remember a friend of mine when I was, we, we were, um, like, late teens had a mini. And, and you literally, you're, you can't, you know, you couldn't put a sort of cigarette, you couldn't get a cigarette packet between you, really, could you, sitting in the front? No, no. The, the, the notion that you'd be able to climb into the back without, the without being knowing. noticed, yes, well, actually, the notion no. that you could actually climb into the back, probably. <laughs> no, no, exactly. No, no. Like, a man of my size, literally, you'd break the, the, the seat. But even somebody of nine stone, you'd be making significant noise and yeah. commotion. Yeah. It's not possible. No, this guy's so, just disappeared. He's just disappeared. So he then goes on to say, terrified... He drives in a panic to his local pub, and I think we can all agree that that's a good move. Yep, it, I'm with it, him. It, it's a place called The Glider in Lowther Road, Dunstable. Right. He then goes on to describe ashen-faced and shaking, 
because of course he would be. He blurted out his terrifying story to the landlord, Bill Stone, and a group of regulars. Two things haunted him about this experience. That the eerie, pale-faced youth was somehow part of an earlier traffic accident which had not been reported. And secondly, that the... And again, I keep on quoting. The sad, silent figure would somehow follow him home. Fulton was later interviewed by writer and researcher Michael Goss and in 1985 took part in the respected television documentary series Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Powers. On both occasions, he told the same story without any deviation or embellishments that one night in October 1979, he took a ghost for a ride. And so this has become a thing in Bedfordshire. And Okay, so so there's there's more of this hitchhiker you're saying. Is that what you're going to come on to? I am going to say that that was the, so the reason I started with that story is because I remember that story from old because it was uh dramatized through the medium of very low rent cartoons on the British children's programme, Whack-A-Day, in about uh, really? 1973. It was, yes. Really? What, Be- cigarettes and all? That's quite... Yeah. I, I don't mean, know I, about the cigarettes, but... Is, again, but- to give, put it into context for anyone who's not like me and Ben old or lives outside the UK, Whack-A-Day was a, what, Saturday morning, wasn't it? Saturday morning... <laughs> Yes. Kids TV programme for, you know, it wasn't for teenagers or anything. It was for young kids. That's right. Timmy Mallet, right? Yes, but they had a strand for the unexplained. And I I think it was called Ghost Monsters and Legends. And they they covered it in that. And that's when I first sort of understood the story of ghostly hitchhikers. And that's what got me really interested. Wow. And so when I started this episode, I started with this one and then I had a little look around. And the first place I started was was obviously Bedfordshire because that is set in Bedfordshire. Yep. And it turns out <laughs> the place is riddled with ghostly hitchhikers. Really? It is. So, uh, and these are very specific. So if you live in Bedfordshire or you've got Google Maps, you can follow my story on online or in your real world because you know where i'm talking about so the first one i want to tell you about is a ghostly figure of a woman who attempts to thumb a lift near mersey square on wellington road south right these are all these are all places you can find and this perplexes people because the investigators have always sort of try to find out where it is she's going. And one of the most compelling stories involves a motorcyclist who picks up the woman and gives her a lift to her requested destination, which is a place called Hazel Grove. Again, you can find this on your Google Maps. Yep. When he gets to Hazel Grove and tries to let her off the bike, she's gone. The house that she says that she's going to, the biker knocks on the door 
and there's a couple there who who answer and he says that i i had a i had a woman on the back of my bike and she wanted to come to this house and she's gone and they sort of knowingly nod and say yep that was our daughter she died in a crash on wellington road just a few years before and they didn't sound surprised by the sound of it they didn't sound surprised because the reporter goes on to say this had happened a number of times before and like all the stories are pretty much the same from this place i'm not going to bore you but basically this particular place mersey square wellington road there is a ghost hitchhiker and she tries to get back to hazel grove and she has been picked up by taxi drivers, by car drivers, wow. by motorcyclists, and she's even been witnessed by pedestrians. And she always wow. tries to go back to the same place. And I think that's, you know, that's really fascinating. Well, it's fascinating on just many levels because it's like, yeah, I mean, if you think of something like stone tape theory, that kind of repetitive nature is is that. But if she's you know different modes of transport it doesn't really seem to make sense does it in that context of stone tape theory so that does sound like a genuine apparition that that seems to be i'll tell you what it's reminding me of actually it's reminding me of uh when we did the episode with lucy and her nun and the well you know this feeling that this thing is is there kind of you know I, I remember lucy saying that she she felt the nun if everyone's not heard that episode it's a couple of weeks back go check it out um it's a brilliant story uh and lucy was saying that this nun ghost that she saw that somebody had maybe fallen down the well and it was as if she was trying to get back to the well to rescue the person who was trapped there the ghost and and yes. that many people had kind of experienced a similar thing i mean this sounds the same doesn't it but but actually, it's not playing out on a loop. It's different different modes of transport, different times. Some taxis, some motorbikes. That's amazing. Yeah, that's right. And and it's the the way that she's able to um, request where she wants to go. That means that she's interacting. It isn't yeah, just yeah. a simple play out of 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 something. Um, but but then. I started thinking, well, let's go closer to home than Bedfordshire. And I found a really great story from Oxfordshire. And this is really just down the road from us. Wow. So this is, this is from the book called Stories of the Supernatural by an author called Betty Puttick. And she recounts two stories of a... And she, this is her description, a gypsy-like girl who is hitchhiking on a road near Astle Manor. Now, Astle is, um, again, you can check it out on your maps. It's spelled A-S-T-H-A-L-L. And it is between the towns of Whitney and Burford. And it's down the A40, so it's a well-travelled wow. route. And she has, it's really not far from us. And she recounts these two brief but very compelling stories. So the first one takes place in 
what she describes as a damp October evening. And most October evenings are quite damp. Yeah. And the... October. <laughs> exactly, exactly. October in Britain, I mean, it just is. And the driver in question reports seeing a girl with dark, shoulder-length hair, olive skin, and he describes a gypsy-like appearance. So I guess, you know, you could read into that like uh, a bohemian sort of dress, maybe. And this girl flags him down and then, when he stops, climbs into the passenger seat without speaking. The driver says that he noticed that the girl was not just damp but wet to the skin and made a comment to her about getting home before she became ill. And then she turns to him, looks him straight in the eye and says, it's too late, I'm gone, and then disappears. Wow. the The thing I keep thinking about these is... When we've done, what what fascinates me about this is when we've done ghost stories in the past, they do, you know, they're either slightly transparent or they're glowing or, you know what I mean? They have this ghostly air about them. This sounds like, it's more fascinating, I think, this, that they get in and they look as if they're alive, completely human, and they talk to you and and then they disappear. I just... Yes, that there's something in a way, probably not at the time, but afterwards must be more scary than seeing a kind of glowing ethereal apparition, I think, in yes. some ways. Oh, yes, because there's an intelligent interaction. And I think you make a good point because the second time this ghost appears, it also it has a different... Uh, it, it has it has something different to say. So, this this second encounter happens on an afternoon in March, and the driver is on their way through Astle on her way to Burford. So that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. If you look at a map, Astle is yeah. is absolutely on the same road as Burford, and she's on her way to collect her son from school. And she's flagged down by a girl with a very, very similar appearance to uh, the previous encounter. And as before, she's described as being soaking wet and looking distressed. But when the driver stops and opens the door for her to get in, because in this case it's not raining and it's not even damp and she's soaking wet, so you, you sort of think, oh gosh... There's something going on. When the driver opens the door, the passenger says, you got my message then? And then she jumps into the passenger seat and sits down. The confused driver says to the girl, what do you mean? But the girl says, the water, the river, he's gone. And then she disappears. So there is... Again, an intelligent conversation between the the driver and the potential passenger, which is different to the last one. So, again, you're right. The stone tape theory doesn't hold up in this case. No. 
It did also make me, I thought you were going to say she opened the door and said, I ordered this Uber eh? like 10 minutes ago. Where have you been? <laughs> Uber Ghosts, the app. <laughs> you got my message then. I told you I'd moved to Rome down. Bloody no stars for you, mate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is that really spooky that, I think. Because it, it's it's weird and uh, sorry, go on. No, no, you go, you go. No, I was just going to say. I think like if if those encounters are indeed real, I guess the motivation of the driver is oh, the, here is somebody in trouble, and um, whether you're male or female, I guess you'd be inclined to stop for somebody who looks like they're in trouble, particularly. I think yeah. that one in March, where if you're a woman and you see another female who on a day where it isn't raining appears yeah. soaking wet, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 and then they have this cryptic reply and then they disappear, I mean, that's going to stay with you forever, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I can't... I, I'm trying to, I'm trying, that's why I'm kind of slightly <laughs> stuttering as I'm talking about it, because I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like i mean it was weird enough for me when i said the other week that there was that you know i kept seeing that guy the same time in the morning at the same point near the volvo garage yes by the alfa romeo garage yeah and he just seemed to disappear but it was nothing you know there was enough ambiguity and uncertainty in me that it was like oh it's just maybe just maybe he got a shift on and got out of the way you know what i mean but yeah to actually have someone a, to let someone in your car is a bit nervous because you, you'd still be a bit, oh, God, I hope this, you know, they're not going to go crazy on me or whatever. And then suddenly they just disappear. It's just, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine what that would do to you. No, well, it, it would probably make me never want to drive again. Yeah. And it is funny because it's like, I was thinking about this while you were talking about it. It's like in the UK, at least, you don't really see hitchhikers that much anymore i mean you do if there's like festivals on or you know when people are going down to glastonbury or whatever when it was on for covid but you'd see people with little signs going saying going to glastonbury but i remember when uh, when i was you know just even up to a teenager you know even when i started driving you know they'd always be people would be hitchhiking with little cardboard things going on I'm going to Leeds, I'm going to Cardiff, wherever you're going, at the side of the road or by the laybys. But you don't seem to see that anymore now. No, like I think probably one of the ones you see the most, if you've seen them at all, is those guys who are new car delivery drivers who hold up um, trade plates oh, underneath. I've seen that either. So, ah. again, anyone who's... Oh, have you not? Oh. Ah, so anyone who doesn't live in the UK, basically, if you're a car dealer, you can drive any car. So this is a customer's car, a new car or whatever, and you display what they call trade plates and they usually hang off the rear um, the rear windscreen wiper or something. But they look very distinctive. They're usually red um, and the coding on there is kind of not, 
anything that you would expect to see from a normal car registration plate. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, an unusual mix of numbers and letters, but they apply to the that particular car dealer. So they're used like if uh, you take your car in and it's making a funny noise, then uh, a mechanic needs to take your car out. This means that they're covered under the garage's insurance. If you're delivering a car, it means you, you know the that. Um, that they're covered under their employer's insurance. And so what you do sometimes see is somebody will be at the side of a slip road off a uh, a service station with trade plates saying they want to go to London. And what they're trying to do is keep the money that they've been given to take a train to fare or back. a bus fare back to right. London. Yes, yes. But oh, they show the trade that. plates... Well, they, they show the trade plates so that people realise that they're not an axe murderer. That's what they do. And um, I don't know how it works. I don't know how often it works because you do see them less and less. And I think that's probably because people come, have, you know, have become more and more sceptical and worried about picking up strangers in the car. Uh, and I think that's probably to do with the fact that there is an enormous number of true crime shows on Netflix and on podcasts yeah. where, you know, because it, it is really not very difficult to go and get a pair of trade plates. Yeah, I was going to say that seems like a system that would be quite easy to uh, abuse for. It would be very easy to dangerous abuse. Consequences. Yes. But it does make me think whether these ghost hitchhikers were just delivering ghost cars. Oh, now that I hadn't thought of. Or carriages. Yeah, that'd be pretty. Oh, it's the horse and carriage that we always talk about. And you never see the horse or the carriage. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, look, so I expanded the search. So where we were just talking about around Astle and Burford, there is a road called the A40. And I thought, well, I wonder if there is any stories around the A40. And it turns out there really are. So this one is one of the ones that I found most fascinating. And it goes like this. Some years ago, on an uncertain date, a young man was travelling home to Swansea in Wales by way of the A40. He was returning in a foul mood because of a date with a young lady which hadn't gone very well. They'd so argued, a long way to come for a date, isn't it? Well, he's horny. Okay. They'd argued and he'd stormed off. It was late and as the man drove along the deserted road, he saw a beautiful woman by the side of the carriageway right. who seemed to be hitchhiking. He stopped and offered her a lift. As the woman sat next to the driver... <laughs> This is where, if you're listening to this with children in the car, I meant to give a warning about this at the top. You probably want to fast forward. As the woman sat next to the driver, she began to fondle him. He pulled the car over and took the mysterious woman into a public toilet. Because obviously that is the most romantic <laughs> yeah. thing you can do. Yeah, I, I, I can see now why his other date didn't go well. <laughs> I think I think I'm seeing... The, f the 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 problem with his strategy. Yeah. I bought you. I, I bought you a Burger King. What do you want from me? <laughs> so, 
In that public toilet, the two indulged in sex of a most hardcore nature. I don't know what that means. I don't want to know what that means. <laughs> I don't want to know what that means. Yeah. I can only say at the age of 47 like i can't even imagine but we'll like this is this is the way he relays the story but this is this tells you something about their age they went back to the car and continued ravishing each other it was (laughs) well as they say ben as they say ben when i get that feeling i need spectral healing (laughs) i it doesn't state what sort of car they have um but like it's not a mini i guarantee you that i was gonna say it is not a mini like (laughs) i i I mean i used to own a mini metro and i can absolutely tell you that those are no good for this either so i'm thinking maybe i'm gonna go with a mondeo estate i think that might be like i think let's for for the purposes of our imagination let's go with a mondeo estate yeah but this is when it goes. I don't want that imagination. Stop. Go on. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It, it, I'm bringing it back now. I'm bringing it okay. back. All right. All right. It was then that the young man began to experience what he describes as a nightmare. He became aware of a strange smell, something like burning. He thought it was a discarded cigarette, but he began to yeah. choke and thought he would pass out. As he looked at the woman, a horrifying change came over her. Her features were altering. The young man looked on terrified. No longer was there a beautiful woman, but some haggard, disgusting old crone with a disfigured face. The man pushed her back with all the force he could muster, but the old hag just looked down on him and laughed. Eventually, as the man screamed and screamed, the woman vanished. Although disturbed by his experience, he was reluctant to share it with friends or family. In time, he related his ordeal to a local paranormal investigator who listened with interest. I'm not sure why he wrote that, because that's where he listened. He listened completely disinterested. Yeah, isn't that his job? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I, Can you imagine if the, paranormal, if the paranormal investigator <laughs> had turned up and said, well, have you got a story? He said, yeah, I, um, I picked up a ghost. We had sex in a toilet, then in my car. Then she turned into this kind of horrible creature. And the, the investigator, paranormal investigator, I'm not interested, sorry. <laughs> he, he, he's literally playing Mario Kart on a portable oh, to, to a penny, that story. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, yes. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I think if there were any four words that didn't need to be written it would be who listened with interest (laughs) 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 but but to finish this off it turns out over the the did she finish him off (laughs) (laughs) the Over the next two years, two other men came forward to the same investigator with the same experience. 
And right. the reason... <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'm not interested. <laughs> now, you're going to love this last line, because this, this, this is the final line about this investigation written right. by the reporter on this case. I'm going to read it to you exactly as it is published. All right, I'll try and keep a straight face. Not, it would seem, that they feared being ridiculed for saying that they had seen a ghost, but rather that they had indulged in sex with an old hag in a public toilet. And I think (laughs) we can all agree that that is something we wouldn't want to be shared around, let's say, our company LinkedIn account. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But he has told a paranormal investigator about it. What is he going to keep it quiet? Well, they did listen with interest. Yeah, that's true. But he probably made up his name. So, but yeah. but from wow. the the level of detail on that story and the way that he's attempting to <laughs> disguise what he did, I'm imagining he's like, my name's Tony. And then, like, don't use my real name. What's your real name? Anthony. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah we won't, yeah. <laughs> we won't yeah. do that then. Yeah. Um, but but I I really enjoyed oh, that as a I love that like story. If I if I'm going down because I do drive the A40 and I do drive to, to Swansea because I got friends friends down there. In fact, I've got family down there. I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where I'm driving down there. A offer a lift to somebody, but then if they start getting frisky, go. Do you know what? Let's maybe just find some public toilets. Like, if it's getting that serious, maybe find a travel lodge. Don't find a public <laughs> toilet. Oh, you smoothie, you, Ben. <laughs> oh, well, like, you know, Again, that's how I've managed a, to keep American my relationship going. A travel lodge is a bit like a holiday inn, right? Do you know what I imagine? Because I'm trying to, I, I've I've said to listeners all the way through this, these are things to Google. The way that I imagine this guy is, a, uh, and again, like you probably won't know who I'm talking about, but Google him, or you will know who I'm talking about, Peter. Tony DeBart. Yes. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, the dance singer from the mid-90s. Google him, and that is who I think this guy resembles. No offense, Tony DeBar, if you are a fan of this podcast, it's just the way you looked in 1995. But I think that is the, the yeah, way I, that the protagonist in this story looks. And it's not like we've got any inside information that it was Tony DeBar. Imagine in that if it was Tony DeBar. No, don't imagine because I could just see a legal letter coming. Um, <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying like it wasn't Tony DeBar, but imagine if it was Tony DeBar. Imagine yeah. if he wrote a song about it. Yeah. Yeah. To finish this segment. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it right back to the spooky paranormal, okay? Yeah. So we, we left, left Tony DeBart and the old hag behind. And I suspect most of our listeners and probably you have heard about the ghost hitchhikers in Fukushima. I don't know if you, if, if you haven't, I'm going to tell you about it. Go on, go for it. Okay, so we probably all remember 
the Fukushima nuclear disaster, 2011, it was, well, it's a more severe nuclear accident than the Chernobyl one. And it all comes about because of a, um, a, a tidal wave, right, that comes in. Yep, tsunami. And to this, the tsunami, that's the word, thank you. And the the plant is still spilling nuclear waste into the ocean. It's kind of terrifying. But yep. this... I was looking around for stories because I I know that there are many, many stories about ghosts of Fukushima. But this one comes from USA Today and it was published in 2016. So it actually comes with a reasonable pedigree. And it reports that there's a Japanese college student who is, uh, she's doing a sociology thesis and she lives in the... I always do this to myself. I have practiced this, but when you get to do it live, it's difficult. But she lives in the Ishinno... I'm going to start again. Ishinomaki area in the... That's not bad. In the the Miyagi prefecture. Yep. And she starts talking to taxi drivers in that space. And she asks them a number of questions, and they're not all paranormal. She's she's asking about like their business and things like that. And some don't answer, some become irritated. But from the drivers that reply, seven out of a hundred drivers answered positively to this question. Did you have any unusual experiences after the 2011 tsunami disaster? And what she tells the reporter is that the responses are not only eerie, but they are oddly similar. So they all, so out of these seven out of 100, I'm not saying all 100, but, you know, 7%, say that they had experienced ghost passengers riders they say that entered their cabs after the tsunami then disappeared before the ride was over so a typical example from one driver says he picked up a woman and when she got into the cab she says have i died and was gone before they reached their destination Another tells the tale of a man who asked the driver to take him to a mountain before he vanished. The supposed riders involved in the account uh, are generally young people and the, uh, the, the girl who was doing the report, she has a theory about this and she says young people feel strongly chagrined at their deaths, so mm. like put out... Yeah, and the injustice. In the injustice. And they want to convey their uh, convey their bitterness. They may also have chosen taxis, which are like private rooms, as a medium to do so. But mm. the drivers, strangely, don't seem overly spooked by the incidents. One driver says, it's not strange to see a ghost here. If I encounter a ghost again, I will accept it as my passenger. So... <laughs> Wow. I mean, I like the 
that that is just fascinating. So so sorry, just so I'm clear, this is almost immediately after the event, or has this been going on over a period of time? So if if you carry on and like there's literally no point in me going through all the accounts because I did start collecting them and they literally are the same thing. Right. This this did this started happening immediately after 2011 wow. and continues to this day and it really wow. is driver sees passenger who flags them down they they open the door passenger says either go somewhere that doesn't exist and the driver says well you know that place doesn't exist anymore after the tsunami and they turn around and they've wow. gone or they ask to go somewhere which does exist and between shutting the door and getting to the destination that passenger has has disappeared what's even good uh, what's even better about that because there is a whole thing of how would you open the door but as i know from when i lived in japan taxis there have automatic doors that open and close that's right so 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 you wouldn't need to be able to interact with matter in that way if you're a ghost fascinating and they're kind of getting away from the scene as well traveling through that is that that's fascinating isn't it i I, i'd heard something about it but i didn't know that kind there was that level of detail and the stories were so similar so it's a kind of mass tragedy that has a mass ghost event after it that's incredible yes yes and it and it and it also has a financial impact because those taxi drivers who are working for a company because they have to account for their fares there is a subnote to this story that there are out of that 7% of drivers who reported it there are a number of them who then go on to say that they were out of pocket because they had to pay the company back for, for the, the lost fare wow yeah 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 so it's something that is kind of recorded in i don't know in the books if if you see what i mean so it's it's kind of one of those things that is difficult to refute because you wouldn't um you you wouldn't gladly do something that would leave you out of pocket these are hard-working guys yeah yeah exactly what's fascinating about that it reminded me a bit of uh when we uh, we did the freedom of information request to police and stuff about werewolves and stuff like that, but that somebody logs this stuff, I, I would imagine probably in the logs of the taxi company, it, it you know it says something like ghost fare or you know you can imagine them writing it, can't you? Yes, yes, you absolutely can. That's absolutely fascinating. So after all of those like real stories, these these became so much part of i suppose what you call paranormal law that there it has turned into an urban legend and i think i'm going to tell you it'll it's a very short one but it's a pricey of what i think probably a number of you listening will have heard as the output of the urban legend for these things and it goes like this um so the names are interchangeable but jerry is driving home late one night when he sees a young lady waiting by a bus stop he stops his car and says to her they didn't think the buses were running so late at night 
and offers her a lift. The night air is getting chilly, so he takes off his jacket and gives it to her. See, this is where the other guy... This is what the other guy should have done. Do you know what I mean? This is the kind of level of romance (laughs) that you would expect. Carry on, Ben. (laughs) So uh, his passenger, he says, isn't much for conversation, but he manages to learn that the girl's name is Mary and she's on her way home. After driving for an hour, they arrive at her home. Now, I just have to say that I think the problem so far with the story is if she's got into his car, how cold is his car that she has to wear the jacket? Yeah. But the jacket is important to the end of the story. To the narrative. But this okay. is to, it's to, to the narrative, and this is where urban legend differentiates from yep. reality. Yeah, right. Yep, yep. So Jerry says goodnight, and she goes to the front door, and he goes home himself. The next day, he remembers that Mary still has his jacket. And this is the bit where the fiction writers have to put something in because otherwise it wouldn't make sense. He drives back to her house, knocks on the door, and an old woman answers. John tells her about the ride he'd given her daughter Mary and explains that he'd come back to get the jacket he'd lent her. And the old woman looks really confused. John notices a picture of Mary on the fireplace mantle. He pointed to, he points to it and tells the old woman that that was the girl he'd given a ride to. With her voice shaking, the old woman tells Jerry that her daughter had been dead for many years, the result of an uh, auto accident while she was trying to get home, and was buried in a cemetery about an hour away. Jerry, <laughs> and I, again... I don't think any person in their right mind would do this. Jerry runs to his car and drives to the cemetery. Like, you wouldn't do that. But that's what he does in the story. And, of course, he finds his jacket neatly folded on top of a grave. The name on the gravestone was Mary. This is the urban legend, which is the reflection of all of the true stories. Well, in inverted commas, true stories. This This is the product of the man having sex with a witch on the A40. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what it turns into. This is the, the creepypasta version. Right, right, exactly. And, and also, though- the, my other problem with it, it, put yourself in the shoes of the, the, the old lady at the house. She opens the door, there's a young guy there who says, I gave this lift home to a woman. She goes, no, you didn't, you've got the wrong house. He then looks through into her house and says, it was her, the picture of that girl on the mantelpiece. At that point, you'd go, you wouldn't give him the story, would you? You'd just go, get out of my house or I'm calling the police. Of course you would. <laughs> and you certainly wouldn't go, oh, yeah, that's my daughter. She died 32 years ago. Would you like the address of the cemetery <laughs> yeah. she's buried at? She might have your jacket still. <laughs> it make, None of it makes any sense. None of it. The first thing you do, like, and, and I'm sure you're the same, if somebody gets into your car, and, and I'm not talking about hitchhikers, but you've gone to pick up a friend or a relative and it's freezing cold outside, they get into your car, you, they go, oh, my God, it's freezing. You don't go, oh, I'll take off my jumper. You go, I'll turn the heating up. Yeah. And if you've got them, I'll put the heated seats on. You don't go, oh, well, I'll take my jacket off. Because yeah. five minutes later, if you've got the heating on full, they'll be going, oh, yeah. God, I'm pretty, 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 pretty hot now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know what all this is reminding me of, Ben? We um, 
we did an episode a while back about uh, celebrities who'd been haunted. If you if you cast your, it was a while ago, if you cast your mind back. I do remember this. I do. Yeah. And the the story that's coming to my mind is a bit of a twist, really, on the the hitchhiker story. Because we did a story, uh, it's a well-known story about uh, Telly Savalas, who was the star of Kojak and many other great movies. Uh, who loves your baby. Who loves your baby. He was apparently a lovely guy, big character. Um, but he had one the other way round. So there was this story of he was driving, uh, I think he had a caddy, uh, and oh no, I think he got into a caddy. Anyway, he was, Telly Savalis was driving his car, ran out of fuel. Uh, he's walking to try and find somewhere and a car pulls up uh, and offers him a lift. Actually, I've got the story here. So Telly Savalis says, I turned, saw a guy in a black Cadillac and climbed in. He loaned me a dollar and I insisted I pay him back and got him to write his name and address on a scrap of paper. Next day, Savalis looked up the Good Samaritan in the phone book and a woman answered the call and confirmed the man he named was her husband. But he'd been dead for three years. Savalis says, uh, later when I showed her the paper, she told me it was her husband's handwriting. I described his clothes and she said those were what he'd been buried in. I do remember that story. So this is like the other way round. This is like... So, and again, you get to. The, I remember we said at the time, it's like, so that means Teddy Savalis got into a ghost car driven by a ghost mm. and was driven down the road, was given a ghost dollar, which he used to basically mm. get his car sorted out. But yeah, I, I, I tell you what it is, what I like about these, the kind of hitchhiker, even this one, the, the Teddy Savalis one, the Good Samaritan one. In a way, what's nice about them in terms of the the myth, the legend and the story is you don't need a big backstory to set up while you're there. Do you know what I mean? Why you went into a haunted house or, you know, yeah. that you don't, there's no, there's no origin story, let's put it that way, that needs to be there or that you need to really investigate. It's just something that turned up. I mean, the origin stories do tend to come afterwards, but... I, I, yeah, it's that and the fact that these, whatever they are, if they exist, look like humans, not ghosts. Talk like humans, not ghosts. And by the sounds of it, in some senses, can interact with, you know, uh, you know, objects and various other things. It's just, it's just bizarre, isn't it? I, I think your word interact there is doing a, a lot of heavy lifting for some of yeah. the stories yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah. we've covered. But but I, I completely agree. And I think the reason that I find these stories so compelling is because, uh, and it hadn't occurred to me until you said it, but you're right, that you don't need... Um, you don't need a huge amount of backstory. So it, it has a lot of similarity with UFO stories. Yeah, you don't need a reason to be there. 
No, exactly. I was driving, I was walking, I saw a thing, there was a thing, it got into my car, or I saw it, and then then this happened, and then it went, yes, yes, exactly, yes, yes. I mean, I guess the two two out of all the ones we covered, you know, the the one that's nearer to our local area, around the A40, multiple sightings I think are really interesting. Um, But you could, you know, some kind of folklore and kind of exaggeration, I guess, could come in. I think actually out of all of them, the Fukushima one is really fascinating. Yeah, and it's one of those where there are there are so many stories that are covered. If, if you search for it on YouTube, you'll find it. If there are other podcasts that have covered it, which is why I didn't like go too deeply. But as and as I say, they're all pretty much one of a, a, a one of a oneness. But the fact that there was a person who had done it as a actual study in amongst, you know, to, to be clear, and I don't know if I made this clear, she wasn't looking at it from a paranormal point of view. She was doing, she was looking at it all, all other aspects. She was looking at the financial and um, social impact yeah. that this, this trauma had yeah. had on them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she had only put that, that question in, as almost like a an addendum uh, or an afterthought and yet she'd had such a strong comeback and you have to imagine that if seven percent had come back with strong stories there's probably another bunch who a little yeah, bit like we, airline pilots who don't want to yeah. report ufos they just yeah, didn't yeah. want to talk about it yeah 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 or, or maybe didn't even report that they'd lost the fare because they'd be out of money um that's yeah. right <clears throat> interesting well i, th- I think we don't normally give advice on the podcast, but I, I think I wanted to end with a little bit of advice. My advice to anybody out there who's looking for romance from a ghostly hitchhiker, don't say, do you fancy a quickie in the toilet? I think that is right. And if you do... Try to get some petrol money first. <laughs> the charmer, that's what I like to see. Excellent. Well, that was... <laughs> uh, well, we've had some serious stories. We've had... We've, I nearly was crying with laughter at one point. That was, that was, that was a good way to, uh, to spend our podcast time. So I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely did. Um, we'll be back next week, right, Ben, with more quantum mechanics stuff. We certainly will. Uh, In the meantime, like, subscribe, review. And if you have had sex with an old hag, doesn't have to be on the A40, could be anywhere. anywhere. But but we want supernatural stories. It can't just be, you know... No. somebody you're dissing yeah let, let us know they have to have disappeared or somehow proven to you that they are supernatural and but if that's the case let us know let us know and especially i you know because it is close to us and you know not not on the a40 but certainly around here i've had some weird experiences you know paranormally esque experiences anyone around here who's got stuff around the a40 or hitchhikers or anything let us know um either on Facebook at TQM Podcast or Twitter at TQM Podcast. Well, that, that doesn't make you think, though. You know, that the, the guy that you saw by the Alfa Romeo garage, yeah. if you've had sex with him, not you, <laughs> Peter, but if, if any yeah. of our listeners, yeah. and he's transformed into an old hag, 
that would just complete our our hypothesis for you know peculiar hitchhikers so yeah Yeah. i'd love to know if that's the case (laughs) we're we're gonna get an email from his wife now (laughs) good all right next time on the quantum mechanics see you next time bye the quantum mechanics